hello everybody listening at home. Welcome to the Pretentious Bastards podcast. I Welcome. am Rose Edwards. <laughs> that is Taya Rose Dussy. Hello. We are two early career artists, would you say? Um, disasters, I would concur. A more accurate description, I think. Yeah. I was being very optimistic. Well, <laughs> um, this podcast is... Yes. That is what we're here for. This podcast is us throwing in our two cents on art and culture, and especially art school in particular, because we have both just had a long foray in it, a very <laughs> if that's long, what you would call it. <laughs> very long five years. Of <laughs> five years and two degrees on. later, we've ended art school. And we still don't know what's happening. Oh, Yeah. I'm still confused as ever. Definitely. So yes, that's what this is. It's just going to be us quite informally chatting about our experience. And we have to put the so, disclaimer out that we have yeah, the disclaimer no is, idea. We have no idea. We don't claim to be experts. We just claim to be participants. Yes. We're just we don't know everything. We just know our own experience. Precisely. And we yeah. will just All make gospel. If you fail out your art degree because of us, we take no legal liability in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Anything we say about art school, artists, just people in general just need to be taken not as seriously as you think we need yeah. them. It's all in good jest. Yeah. So yeah, Taya, when did you realise you were first an artist? I think that's a good place to start. Great, a good place to start. I honestly had no Give idea. Give me an age. An age, a definitive age. I want a day. A, de- a definitive age. I was uh, 15 years old in my year 11, no, year 10, no, year 11, probably. I was in my year 10 um, art class. And I sat now next to my teacher and she was chatting away and we were just, you know, I was drawing and doing things and I can't remember actually what was happening. And then she turned to me and goes, Taylor, you do realise you're an illustrator? And I was like, okay, cool. And so I've just okay, run with it Okay, seems like that's what I'm going to do now. <laughs> yeah. It, it sounded like the, the funnest option to me. Like 14, 15 year old Taylor was like, oh, that sounds great. Just drawing every day. I'll take mm. it. You don't really hear the illustrator term that often when you're a kid. Mm. You get to be... I was about 16 or 17 when I first heard the word illustrator. It was when I went for my foundation degree um, interview. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, you know, because it was just art and design. I'd, I'd never really heard the term before. Because I'd always wanted to be a tattoo artist. And then I realised that that just didn't seem like it was for me. Um, yeah. And I started really taking art seriously. And then I just went to a foundation art degree and they said oh you know we have a certain amount of illustrators here on the course as well and I was like oh oh an illustrator you say that's what, what the yeah, hell is that yeah. smash cut to five years later here we are five years and two degrees later <laughs> five years and two degrees later and then you're already just like hmm, am I an illustrator who knows am I who knows? <laughs> I don't know if I'm actually an illustrator. I think I might be a designer or a creative thinker, but that does sound pretentious. Mm. But that is the name of the podcast. 
It's the name yeah. of the game, honey. It is the name of the game. And I think um, that's one thing that kept hitting us back in uni every time we did anything, which was, you know, just because you're not drawing something doesn't mean you're an illustrator. It's kind of like, does it though? Does it? Kind of think it does. Like when I, I look at your work and I look at Annette's work, Annette Jones, who we went to university with, I look and I say, illustrator, hands mm-hmm. down, no doubt, you're an illustrator. I look at my work and I'm I like all designer. over the place. Yeah, I'm all over the place. I'm like so many different mediums. I think designer is a much more catch-all term Yeah, for someone who is like myself, which is kind of a... A finger in every pie. I just want to try everything. I want to know yeah. what I am. I mean, like, when I see your work, because I, rem- I remember when we first started uni, and I saw your work, and you were doing these really gorgeous, like, paper-cut silhouette things, and it was it was great. It must have been for your final mi- the final uh, degree show. Mm. And you did, the, you did London Road Firehouse, I think it was. And you had these yeah, really, the really London nice Road Fire Station. Books. Yeah. And immediately I was like, love it, because I love paper. And then from there, all your master's work, I could see a progression for you of less being, you know, an illustrator and to definitely be more of a designer. And you, mm. you're you're thinking clearly about where things sit in a composition. That is, I've never thought of it like that before. But yeah, truly, mm. like me and you, well... When we were first talking about doing this podcast for people listening at home, Taya and I said, okay, well, we'll both make some, you know, um, podcast covers for what will go on the top. And I came back with a photography piece set with a composition, lots of different elements, and then the words in the middle. And Taya came back with an illustrated piece, beautifully illustrated piece, completely different. And we were like, okay... We need to find yeah. a middle ground here because we want this to be a representation of the both of us. Yeah, definitely. So you told me kind of your ideas because you're very good with ideas and very creative. Much More so than me, I'm very good at taking a creative idea and making it, working with the composition and making it work. I yeah. think that's kind of where my strengths lie. And that is probably what you're looking at right now as you listen to this podcast. The beautiful or you might be doing your dishes or something. You might be on a loo. Who knows? Um, <laughs> please, please don't listen to me on the toilet. <laughs> don't do that. I listen That's to cool. podcasts everywhere. If you're on the toilet, oh, yeah. I'm with you. No shame. Do yeah, it. A hundred percent. I listen I've... to podcasts whilst I'm in the shower. I live on my well. I live with my partner, and he works very long hours. He works twelve hour days, five days a week. So I spend a lot of my time home alone, especially during the pandemic, because I can't have anyone around. Mm-hmm. So when I tell you that there is not a moment in my life I'm not listening to a podcast, it is honestly the truth. Yeah. 100%. Think, there is always something on the background. I've always got Spotify open, just either to listen to music or to listen to a podcast. I think it's come to the point where I'm a bit like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this sometimes because I do find myself like waking up in the middle of the night with headphones in, still listening to a mm. playlist. There's a shitload of ed- editing going to happen for this one. At least we're on track. We are on track. Speaking of being on track, what led you to want to go to art school? How did you make that uh, decision? 
what led me to art school was I was in college and I did my two years because technically I never originally wanted to be an illustrator. I was told you're an illustrator and I was like, okay, cool. Well, um, and then it got to a point of like, I kind of want to do forensic science instead. That never happened because then they were like, you have to do law. I'm like, mm, I don't do law. Honey, no. But I, she's not for yeah. me. And I think it was there. Uh, one of the tutors looked really like wide-eyed at my results for my art, and they were like, "Oh, we'd love to have you on this course for college." So I was like, "Yeah." And part of that course in the second year was um, looking at future prospects. So we were looking at apprenticeships or working freelance or going to uni. So I chose going to uni. I thought further my education. It's something but- to do. It's something to do, you know. I thought my older brothers did it for a while. Maybe I should try it. And I, yeah, I, I only applied to three unis. I got accepted to all, but then I decided uh, MMU was the way for me. Because the building was very cool. It is really cool. That's what swung me. I only applied yeah. for one uni. I decided oh. to go. I didn't know, like, right up until... I did my art foundation and I still thought, I don't know if I'm going to go, I'll take a gap year. Mm-hmm. And I only applied for one because I got sick at the end of my other one. I had to have surgery in the end of my, not in my other one, in the end of my foundation course, I got sick, I had to have surgery. And I was like, I just want a year off. I'd only, I'd already made my application up for MMU. So I just sent that off and thought, okay, like if, if that comes back, that's fine. But I'm not taking any more time out of my recovery time to stress about another application or another interview or whatever. So I just did that, and I didn't think I was going to get in, because it was quite a competitive course to get onto illustration with animation. I remember there being loads of applicants, and I thought, there's no way in hell I'm ever getting on. I I remember my um, interview, it was was some really good-looking kids there, and they were like, Mm. they fit the art school look. Oh my god, I know, I remember there was a girl with like a partially shaved head, which was... To me, coming from a small... Well, not small town, it's Liverpool. But, like, <laughs> I'd not really experienced much. I hadn't experienced much, so I didn't really go out. Yeah. I mean, you're a kid and you can't really do much because you don't have any agency and you don't have any money and you're gonna... Like, you just kind of, you know, hang around with your mates that you went to school with. And I went to this interview and I was like, there's people here who look unlike anything I've ever seen before. Yeah. This building that's amazing and massive... Like, I'd been to London and things like that, and I'd seen crazy things. I'd seen people who looked really different, and I'd seen, like, the art culture, but I never thought it was ever something that would be attainable for me. I was like, although those are things that happen in London. Those are things that that happen in, you know, Edinburgh. You know, I never really thought that that would be something that would happen 40 minutes down the road from me, that there would be this amazing building full of all these resources and all of these people who are willing to share that knowledge with me. And yeah. I was just like, oh, wow. But yeah, I applied. I ended up going because I got in. And I thought, well, why the hell not? What's the point in waiting another year? Yeah. Because I knew yeah, what yeah. would have happened. I would have got a job in a bar and then ended up just staying there because it was easy money. Oh, for those of the those people listening at home, we are recording over Zoom and then that didn't work, and then we recorded over Facebook Messenger, and that didn't work, and now we're recording over just regular calls, and this hopefully will work. 
Hopefully. Because of coronavirus. Coronavirus. It's just, she's fucking me up. Yeah, she likes... I don't need this energy from her. It's the attitude. Like, I mean, I've said this yesterday, but God, you're coming for me. Make sure you're at me. <laughs> yeah, don't even at me, Miss Rona. No. Genuinely. So, yeah. Next question. <laughs> yeah. What was your experience of article like? Did you enjoy it? Did you hate it? See, Were you nonplussed? The first three years, which was our BA, I absolutely loved it. There was, of course, there was things that I was a bit like, mm, this is a bit frustrating. Uh, for example, whenever you wanted to go into, say, um, a workshop or a studio, say you wanted to work in the clay room or like to work in plaster, you had to get an induction. And then to get an induction, you had to email one of the tutors and then they have to then email someone else who then emailed back by saying, oh, we need, you know, 30 people for this session or we need 10 people, some kind of number. And then you would have to go out and be like, oh, right, well, now I've got to put out the word, will these people do it? And half the time, people would be like, yes, and then you'd be able to do it. And then the other half of the time, it'd be on days where, say, for example, I was working, so I couldn't come in and do it, which means then... yeah. I was completely missing out on a workshop. So that Yeah, definitely... I found those those logistics to be really frustrating. So um, frustrating. I understand, I completely understand why it has to happen, but it just got really frustrating towards the end. I think I was only inducted in, I was inducted in screen printing, the um, regular bookbinding room and the animation studios. I essentially lived in those animation studios at yeah. the end of my degree. And then when I went back for my MA, because we were at the same building, they were like, oh, yeah, I technically have to be re-inducted. But he yeah. was like, oh, I'll just mark you off as inducted because you were in here for six months straight every day last year. He's like, I trust that you know what you're doing. I was like, thank you. I do know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm not getting anybody at MMU in trouble for doing that, but you know. No, I think it's, it's the... MMU, especially for the interview, I remember the tutor that was interviewing me was like, I see there's print work in here and I can see there's um, embroidery and there's this and there's that. And that's really great. And that's why, you know, you'll probably get on the course because you've got this wide range of things that you, you can do. And then that means you'll be able to use the workshops. But because of the, how difficult it was to use the workshops or to try and get into the workshops, I didn't. And I ended up saying, because I remember being in the final year of the BA. And by that point, you would expect us to be inducted into, you know, so much because at this point we know what we're doing as illustrators. Not really, but it's what is expected. And I previously loved working with clay and it, it wasn't until say halfway through the year that someone approached me and was like oh we're doing a clay workshop tomorrow are you gonna come in and do it and it was like well obviously yes I mean how long has it taken for us to actually get this thing to happen because yeah, it was a very absolutely. very long time and uh yeah it, it was really like you really had to want to do it you know you really had to like push to get things that you needed 
Yeah. Which was not the way it was kind of described at university, like at the interview. Yeah, my first initial interview. Walk in and you can do what you want, and you know you're in art school, and we've got all these fancy facilities, and you know we've got a a giant rooftop you can sit on and Mm. work outside, and we're encouraging. I couldn't get onto the rooftop half the time. No, I went there once to spray paint something. Like we have a spray paint booth, and I'm like, excuse me, now you have a what? So yeah, didn't learn about that. That's a giant spray paint booth. Yeah. Thank you. Like, you tell me I have to book a time to go into a room that has a giant vacuum mm. in it. So what was your experience like of art school for your personal development? Did you enjoy it? I Did you think yes. you got a lot out of it? I think I, I did to the extent of the BA. The MA is a completely different sort of um, disaster zone, probably, to say. The BA was fantastic because it helped me sit in the role of, okay, I'm learning what I want to do. I want to do children's books or just books in general. So how do I format this? How do I, you know, create the 12 spreads and, you know, thinking logically. It wasn't necessarily what I was taught by the tutors. It was just what I was learning at that time, being surrounded by other artists. I think that's like 50% of what art school is, or even more than that. Yeah. Is just being around other artists and learning from one another. And I think it took me a really long time to realise that that is what art school is. It's being in the environment. Yeah. More than anything else. If you go to art school expecting to be taught things, I don't think you're quite on the mindset of what art school is. I think art school is you're going to have to seek out the information that you need the the practice that you need yeah i think that was my mistake in the beginning of the ba for most of the ba as i was expecting to be taught things and i was expecting to be kind of not spoon fed but certainly to be led down a certain path i thought it would be a much more structured curriculum than it was yeah and then towards the end of the ba i realized that it was do it for yourself or it doesn't happen and that's what led me to want to go do an MA, I think, is that I realised that I'd waste not wasted, because I had learned a lot about myself personally, not my practice, by because I lived away from home, I'd never done that in my life. So I learned a lot about how to take care of myself mm-hmm. and how to be an adult. But in my practice, I hadn't learned that much. I felt like there was a lot of unfinished business for me. And that's yeah. what led me to go do the MA. I think um, that's something we might have to touch on when we talk more about, say, the School of Art kind of pathway. Because I think for the first year, you sort of you're trying to settle in, you're trying to show the shooters what you can do, what how why you're here, and all that stuff. So you're trying to fit what you believe are the tutors' expectations, when in reality you're in art school, you don't actually need to worry about that. Yeah, 100%. Just do art. Just do what you want to do. And I didn't realise that until my second year when I was just sort of like, you know what, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to create a story. I'm going to, you know, make it in the way I want to do it. And that got much better responses than from when I was holding back in first year if you can ever believe yeah. I held back. Yeah, 100%. I was exactly the same, but I it took me until our final project of our third year to realise fully mm. 
that it was um, about pushing my own limits and not trying to conform to what tutors wanted from me. And that's, again, why I felt the need to go do an MA, because I was like, I want to explore what exactly I want to do with me and my own practice. Yeah. And that's led to my practice now being in a much more progressive place. And especially now since I've left art school, I find that my practice is more for my own enjoyment. Whereas before, like, obviously I was doing it to explore my my own passions as a practitioner and my own wants and needs as an artist. But it was, it now has become truly about my own wants and needs because there's no longer a grade on the line. There's no longer, you know, so much money a year and so much in rent as well. Like living away from home, I feel like you really feel the the gravity of why you're there. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm away from my family and my friends back home for this reason. And I really need to make this grade count. Did you expect to hit that point? Say, like, in first year, I understand you were, like, not feeling it at all. Did you Did you think that, you know, the progression will eventually lead me somewhere? Oh, no. I had no idea in first year. I didn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Head empty. Brain empty. No thoughts. No just, thought. just make work. Make people happy. Make tutors happy. And that's just not, it's not going to get you the grade that you so desperately want. And when you stop care, not caring about the grade, you have to care about the grade because there's a certain yeah. amount of it. Is essay writing, uh, which is all about the grade. But when your work, the work that you're creating stops being about the grade, then that's really when it becomes something good, mm-hmm. I think. Which which tutors did you have? Uh, in my... Wait, go on. Who did you have first? Okay, I was Let just saying... I know, like, in the first year and second year, we were sort of, we were led to try every tutor and see how they practised and yeah, definitely. what their tutor style was. And then in the third year, it was more specialised and then the tutors themselves blows up. And you could tell by the way it was done, it was done alphabetically and they just sort of split the ones that they expected to be book illustrators in half. And mm. I got, I so, got, yeah. um... I got Shazza. And, and I saw you had Ian in the third year. No, no. I, I, Lindsay got Ian in the third year. I got Sharon. And let me tell you, I love her. Love her to bits. <laughs> She's amazing. I loved my third year tutor as well. I had, because um, at the mo- at the time I was exploring animation in my mm-hmm. third year. Yeah. Because I really started to take it quite seriously, as I was saying. I was like, what do I actually want to do? I was like, I never really jived with the animation. And I really want to try it. Mm-hmm. So I I really committed, and I had Eleanor Eleanor Mulhern. Oh, Eleanor's she's, darling. Oh my god, so good! And like so I good. was coming out of quite a fragile place in my life. I was very benefited from being handled quite kindly and quite nicely. And Eleanor was very kind and very nice and very gentle with her. Yeah. Her um, tutoring techniques, which I really benefited from. I really like always everything was always something nice with a gentle nudge in the right direction. Love which it. is exactly where I needed to be. Yeah. And she even helped me realise that... <laughs> I'm quite glad. As much as... Sh- like, I never had Sharon as a tutor. I don't think I would have got on with that style. But, oh, no. Yeah. She was, for me, it was perfect. It was like... Yeah, some know. people... It's different teaching styles suit different kinds of people. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Eleanor pushed me to learn the, the animation... I enjoyed it, but I, I think she kind of helped me discover that it wasn't for me. 
Yeah. Because sometimes it is the better route not to learn what doesn't fit with you than what does. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I love animation and I will always have a massive respect for it. I'll be really interested in it. But physically doing it, I don't think that it jived with me at all. Um, And then I went and I think Ian and... Well, we had two Ians, Ian McCulloch and Ian Wagcock, and they were both my shooters for a little while. And um, Ian Wagcock and I went on, he went on to be my MA tutor as well. And he was much, uh, much more harsh with me, which I think as I like aged into my practice, I needed somebody to kind of be be a little bit more firm with me. Yeah. And not be like so gently, gently. Eleanor really helped to build up my confidence. And then Ian helped me to challenge my own uh, ideas of what my work was, which was a really nice uh, mix for me. Fantastic. I mean, that leads us to you know obviously tell us about your MA experience I loved my MA I like to criticize it all the time but I love criticizing things I love (laughs) (laughs) and I (laughs) truly do and I um really did enjoy my MA like even on the personal level because when you do your MA and you live away from home you don't get a massive grant to live off so I had to work yeah. And it was my first ever job where I was working to live. I wasn't just working for like side money. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was working to keep the roof over my head. And that was a really like I really had to grow up big time and like learn how to, you know, be an adult, learn what taxes meant, learn about, you know, all those stupid things that now I'm like, well, obviously I know what council tax is. Obviously I know what this and that and the other is. Yeah. So I wasn't just living in student houses anymore where it's just like give us an extortionate amount of money every month and we'll take care of everything for you. Great, yeah. thanks. I have to be really smart with myself. So on a personal note, I grew up a lot. And then in my practice, I started to really challenge myself. They got to a point during the Masters where I felt like my work had to be about suffering. Mm-hmm. I know you felt this as well, where it had to be oh, that you weren't enjoying your work to make it feel legitimate. Yeah. And then I think I left... The MA and it no longer felt like that because I didn't have to do it for a grade and now I'm really enjoying myself and that's just the one but yeah how was your MA because I, I said that you you know obviously you kind of felt the same yeah especially for there was a different pressure on the MA there was a pressure to be fitting into the art style of that you know everything has to be professional and you have to do a heavy subject because that'll help you get the points and then you'll know how to do a big essay about it and all that kind of thing and it did not flow with me whatsoever I definitely yeah I, yeah I think during the first year I experienced some big burnout like I obviously I've not stopped since high school I've never taken any gaps and you know other than summer holidays not really taking time for myself mm. and, and most of the holidays you will have worked through especially since uni started yeah yeah, because they, they were always giving us some projects and things like that, and we're like, well, consider yeah. this and consider that. I think the MA just completely like knocked me over because I, I couldn't grasp it. And then at the same time, we obviously had the same tutor. Um, I'd never had that tutor before. So he was a bit like, okay, I need to figure out who you are. And obviously straight up, that question does not flow with me because never mind who I am, it's... I prefer to be a mystery. (laughs) (laughs) 
mysterious lady. <laughs> I'm the mysterious lady. I'm the cryptid that will creep into your room at night and whisper facts about Doctor Who into your ear. But it just wasn't... Yeah, he was very adamant of knowing who I was. Yeah. I was sort of like, well, my interests are kind of dark, to be fair. Do I really want to bring that in? And then it was a heavy subject of death and then loss and mourning and things like that. And it was like, in my second year at least, because then in the first year I spent so much time trying to fit the criteria of who an MA student was, that I wasn't enjoying it. Like, none of my work from that year has been kept. Everything got thrown away immediately. And then Mm. during the second year, obviously I had a bit more fun. I got access to the clay room and to the plaster workshop and it was like yeah this sounds this is oh i'm gonna do some artwork and yeah i don't think I i'm gonna actually... be a real artist <laughs> yeah that was it wasn't it? it was i'm gonna be a real artist i'm gonna produce something that you've never seen me produce before and it's gonna be great and it wasn't it was fun don't get me wrong but it was not... i loved your plaster work Thank Again, you. we'll put this on the um, we'll put this all on the Instagram for people to go look at. I'll get some yeah. pictures of Taylor's plasterware because it, for me, was the one. But if you're not enjoying it, then you know. I, I mean, I did enjoy it, and I enjoyed the the concept I was bringing because it was all about um, it was about death and then the hole that's left afterwards because there's always sort of a missing part. And I was using that with objects that I'd found in charity shops because they're sort of displaced. And obviously all of that sentence, I love it. In my body, I love it, I love it, I love it. But then having to explain that to tutors who then ripped it all apart, I did not love. (laughs) Yeah, there's a certain amount of, of bearing your soul and bearing something that you really love and enjoy to have it ripped apart is quite difficult. I mean, yeah. not quite very, difficult, very let's, difficult. Let's be frank. I remember making a project about my um, grandfather's passing because I thought, oh, it's all about suffering and they want to see suffering. Again, as you said, trying to fit what they like, think an MA student is. Yes. Well, what I think an MA student is. And I did two months of that and was just like, I cannot possibly take this to a tutor and have them pick any of it apart because it would be too much. Yeah. I remember talking about making the project with one of my tutors and they hadn't said anything. I hadn't made any work yet and I cried during that. And I was like, I can't do that. No. It's it's not for me. I could not do that. It was just too much. So I ended up dropping that after two months because I just yeah. was like... The work I have, I, I cherish because I enjoy it and it's very like indicative of a memory of somebody that I loved and passed. But that's definitely work for personal enjoyment, not for public view at any point. I don't think I'm ever going to put that out there. The subject of death doesn't really upset me in any way. Like, immediately when it was, I brought up the concept of what I wanted to do for my second project, my uncle had passed away and my great-uncle had passed away. And then um, in our family, death isn't that big of a concept. It's just, you die, you die. What else are you going to do about it? Which actually sounds insane when you say it out loud. And it's not a concept that's hidden away from everybody in this house. It's sort of, you get on with it, it's not a big deal. But I think because I'm that way in the sense of, ah, well, you know, it is what it is. It'd be like that sometimes. 
I think it do be like that sometimes. It do be like that. It Precisely, it's like it's inescapable. It's our only certainty in life, as much as you know. It, it's it's inevitable. Yeah. So, um, coming off from the MA, I just I'm like, what do I do? How am I creating work for myself now? Because, yeah, it just led me really burnt out, and I literally spent from when we finished that course to probably the beginning of this year just being like I'm gonna try and do things for myself and I'm not gonna think about it critically which it did work and it didn't work because I did produce some things I enjoyed and it was much more like doing craft things and stuff and especially like from here onwards I'm doing more artwork for myself and hopefully you know doing more narrative stuff because that's what I miss so much I've realised in the past two years I miss creating a story so I'm just sort of working on my own narratives that I've got in my head and uh yeah just this time yeah it's really good to see you enjoying yourself again after the MA yeah I think that's the struggle I, I was very dead on say things like Instagram and usually I'd be posting like doodles and stuff like that and any artwork that I was creating and it was like a whole year of not posting anything because I literally hadn't done anything. And then I started to be a bit more like, the Inktober came around and I was like, okay, I'm going to do something for that. I'm going to do something different. Yeah, I'm going to have a bit of fun. And especially the last Inktober that I did in 2020? 2020? I loved 20... your 2020 Inktober. Thank you. 2020 and 2019, they're both they're related to each other because it's the same narrative carrying on. And then that's what I'm working on at the moment. It's this one single narrative that's made up of lots and lots of narratives. Hmm. And I, think, I love the mysterious aspect of your narratives, that you don't yeah. make it exclusively obvious to the viewer about yeah. what, what it is about. You kind of have to keep up with that and really view the images as a narrative and yeah. piece it together for yourself because mm-hmm. there's all little bits especially with the 2020 inktobers or the background sort of relates to the foreground and then the animation as well and um yeah it's as maybe we can touch on like what narratives or what work we're doing at the moment maybe later but like um, yeah that would be a good episode is narrative in um creative thinking yeah, because I mean, episode. at the mo the the narratives that I have, they're all sort of the same narrative, similarly, because they're all set in sort of the same place. But they're all my dreams, which is questionable about my sanity because some of these dreams <laughs> are very, very chaotic and odd, and lots of explosions and antichrists and things. But because they're coming from me, I'm immediately like, yeah, I can create something here. Yeah, I can do things. And I'm, I'm definitely pushing it forward and I've got loads of concepts. It's just doing it now. Yeah, getting around, finding the time and getting around to doing it yeah, is yeah, a yeah. challenge. You see, it's funny you say working with narrative for you is a large part of your process because for me, it's the complete opposite. Yeah. Not the complete yeah. opposite, but like I... I choose a topic and I look into it and I explore the feelings and then I make a series of work that is not meant to be viewed in one specific order. It's meant to kind of be looked at all together, my work, in one big go. So if, I'd, if I had 
the dream of displaying my work on a wall, it would be all viewed together as one big piece. Yeah. Um, it's not meant to be like a start to finish. Uh, so yeah, it's the best way. To the do. main bulk of my work at the moment, though, is art hall. Um, yes. Yeah, I left uni and was like, well, I started applying for jobs. I took a small break, which coincidentally ended up taking us right into up to the edge of the coronavirus pandemic. Lockdown. And I was like applying for jobs in February, and we went into lockdown in March. And I was like, great, nowhere is ever gonna hire me now. So I was like, why don't I make a business yeah. and hire myself? What am I trying to say, Taya? Have a year is. Um, it's in its baby stages. It's looking really, really good at the moment. Um, there's a lot of learning involved because you're um, grasping the whole CEO bit and then you have to be your own marketing you have to be your own supplies mm, it know, definitely is a learning taking curve. consideration the big things yeah i mean learning yeah i mean i couldn't do it i'm struggling to do it that's why I <laughs> <laughs> literally why you were like you want to join art hall i was like hell yeah i don't have to do anything at that point i just have to hand you my work and that sounds great to me because i mean everything in my life's half finished like my my website's half finished my instagram just gets sporadically updated yeah and I, think, I think you're yeah. right in saying that it's a learning curve I'm definitely learning how to do a lot of aspects that I would never have thought about doing or had the confidence to do but suddenly I'm thrown into the, into the situation where I have to do it now I have to go out and find promotional yeah. opportunities I have to manage a business account I have to look at tax I have to look at you know all these other options and like look at making professional websites that aren't just an online portfolio i have to look at how they read online i have to look at a, a social yeah. media that isn't just about my work and my own ramblings i have to look at how i make it a cohesive strain of products mm-hmm. even though all the products are so varying and so different so yeah it's been a real learning yeah. curve i mean you uh, the idea is, especially when we have our meetings, just to catch ups and things like that. Your ideas are really, really great, and like things like um, having an online gallery or you know um, open calls and things like that, so people can get involved in doing artwork and you know talking to us or talking to Art Hall in a sense. To oh yeah, absolutely. If there's if there's things. anybody listening to this, I'll be posting this episode, our first episode, on like Creative Manchester students and all over the place. If there's any young students who want to get involved in Art Hall and want to drop me a message and are interested in having somebody take over the technical side of selling their work and trying to aid, help them and help other artists in getting up and running, let me know. Like on the website, there's a, there's a link to drop me a message and just let me know and say, oh, I'm interested in, like, here's my work. And we'll start, like, it's a very open discourse and I want to, I want to help people. I'm never going to judge your work unfairly. I will. Tell you, mate, but I won't. Let me know. <laughs> I'm I'm your, I'll be your art tutor. <laughs> you know, you want your art judged, you want a bit of advice, <laughs> you know. DM pretentious bastards pod and, you know, 
It shows your work. If you want somebody to be very nice and try and help you get your independent um, financial situation off the ground so you don't have to rely on a side hustle, let me know. Please. Yeah, I can't rely. I've got the side hustle going. I'm trying to get my side hustle going. It's something that I'm passionate about, which is actually being an art tutor. That's what I applied for today. Yeah, because at the moment, uh, I was a bartender before COVID, and I'm still on furlough, but i got a feeling we're not going to reopen. i just got that yeah. horrible feeling, given that while. we've been off for almost uh, a year now, that we're not going to, or if we are, yeah. then it's a, it's a massive chain that rhymes with uh, Schmetherschmoons. You may have heard of it. <laughs> um, they may close some stores. I love it. And we may be one of them, so I'm trying to operate and apply for jobs as if there's not a job for me to go back for. I don't really want to go back to my side hustle. If I can get something more creatively fulfilling, 100%, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think I'm I'm sort of sat in the same boat as you have. I've, I've been working, I work in an administrator for an insurance broker's, and it's kind of, it's soul-sucking at times, and sometimes I really want to throw my, my computer out the window. And recently I've been sort of applied, I applied to do some teaching as an art teacher. And I feel like that's such a, it's a good way to go down to. Oh, yeah. It's, it'll be creatively fulfilling. So I am, I'm, I'm getting really excited about it. Now. Yeah, I need to um, get on that and uh, really start to like take it seriously. Applying for jobs is a job in itself. 100 yeah. percent and i just i was saying earlier me and my partner were talking i was like my biggest goal in life is to you know decide my own schedule be my own boss and to yes. not have to answer to yes. somebody else the whole time and like i don't care if that means me mm-hmm. working more hours and working harder than anybody else but if i can say i'll work like to not have somebody breathing down my neck and say you have to work this hour to this hour I can just say, oh, well, you know, yeah. I'm like, you know, if I end up having a family, I can tailor myself to them. You know, I, I don't yeah. have to tailor my life to a job. I tailor my job to my life, which would be a really nice way of living. Yeah. I think we should definitely talk about that, say, um, like the, with our creative sort of, what was it called? the cultural doorway of becoming professional artists and things mm. like that I think it's something we can chat about later because it's it's definitely something that I questionably like what what choices do you make to be a professional full-time artist and like what sacrifices are there you're gonna have I to think do? a lot of artists as well and obviously sacrifices I haven't done. a lot of artists that we look at and that we look up to on like Instagram and say we don't realise, and they will never say that they have a side hustle. And it makes it feel very yeah. unattainable. Because they're like, oh, look at them, they're doing all of yeah, this, definitely. and they've got all these opportunities. And I'm like, well, I feel like a lot of them will have side hustles that they're just not mentioning. Either they're working in a, at a bar, or they're a tutor, or they're, you know, as a, an office administrator, or they're working at an Asda, or a Tesco's, or whatever. You know, they won't say, because it makes it feel like then your career as an artist that. seems like it's just a hobby. That's always my fear. I never want... I always say I'm an artist and also a bartender. I'm never a bartender who yeah. happens to do art. 
Yeah, because then it immediately is sort of whatever you say after that in relation to your artwork, the person you're saying it to will immediately go, oh, but they're a bartender, they're not really an artist. And it's kind of like, no, I, I do both. And it, neither one, my my ability to create art shouldn't be side. Yeah, it shouldn't be doubted because I have to have a job to pay my bills. You know? Yeah. Um, I do make a small amount of money you, off my you art. You need a job at first. But, you know, yeah. at the moment, I'm, I'm a very early career artist. And obviously, setting up an online shop called Art Hall, plug, please buy my work. It's very expensive. That, well. obviously, I've kind of not chosen the right time to start making money during a pandemic because nobody wants to spend their money now. 100%. Yeah. Um, but also, the thing about Art Hall is it costs £30 a month to keep the website up. Which... It's not a massive amount of money, particular. I mean, it is. I do like struggle to find it some months, but I never doubt that I could yeah. find it. I'm always like, oh well, I'll just have to, you know, mm-hmm. be like you know stringent with my food allowance this week and like save up an extra, you know, tenner, put it towards that, keep the site yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, thank every, thank you to all the people who are listening uh, who've made it to the end of this. If you have, gold star, because we have rambled about a lot. Um, where can people find you on Instagram uh, they can find me on Instagram at Taya Rose Dust excellent and they can find me at Rosalyn Edwards R and we're both on yeah, art hyphen hall.co.uk also art hall on Instagram um, you can go find our way there if you want to support us just following those nice and a few likes here and there just follow the Instagram or tell somebody about the podcast that would be a very nice thing to do if you ain't got no yeah. money because we all know pennies are thin on the ground at the moment quite right I mean if anyone has anything you want us to talk oh, about oh yeah let us know on the Instagram any artists yeah if you want us to like talk about anybody's work talk about any topics let us know definitely because we can always do Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to try and keep our upload schedule pretty loose because we both have quite busy lives outside of this. Um, yeah. So we're going to try and aim for one stuff. a month. We'll not tie ourselves into that well. You never know. If we get a free afternoon and we, we're feeling yeah. it, the wind takes us. Uh, it, it took us two attempts to do this episode, so... First time around, we got a bit too drunk and we were a bit too giddy about recording this, so we had to uh, go away. I gave gave myself a good talking to and uh, come back. Same here. I was like, you cannot talk about Doctor Who for 45 minutes. Don't worry, that's another episode. That is a whole episode on its own. (laughs) But uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening and we will catch you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye.